Hey guys, this is Jordan. And this is Jeremy. Welcome back to the second episode of the Shaved and Tapered Podcast. Glad y'all are back. We're back and better than ever. We got some new equipment and we're ready to boogie. All right, guys, let's get ready to go. Um, I just want to start this episode on the right foot and say thank you to everybody who listened to our first episode. It's very exciting. By the time this episode is up up and running, we will be hosted on Apple Podcasts, which is a huge step in my eyes and I think in most people's eyes because most of the people that I know that asked me about my podcast, they said, oh, well, just uh, just tell me when it's on Apple Podcasts and then I'll give it a listen because, you know, that makes sense. <clears throat> Yeah, I definitely think our followers are going to shoot up after being on Apple. I feel like everyone has an iPhone nowadays. Everyone has iPhone nowadays, and having looked at a bunch of different podcast hosting sites, like even Spotify. Spotify is awesome, don't get me wrong, but it's just so user-friendly on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's already an app on your phone. You don't have to download anything else. You don't have to download anything, and you can follow and subscribe to as many different um, podcasts as you want. This is not an ad, I swear. And then. And another big thing that we have going for us is that we have microphones and headphones now, so we're not recording off of AirPods. So hopefully, given that our number one uh, constructive criticism that I heard was that our audio was a little bit choppier, this or that or the other, hopefully that'll be a lot better. And Jeremy has been killing it this week, learning how to uh, do... Editing on GarageBand. Exactly. All right, so... Let's start talking about some new stuff. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, Jeremy, is do you know anything about alligators or crocodiles? Because I got into a whole big or uh, conversation about this today at Dryland, and I still truly don't know the difference. I have no idea. Like, I don't know the difference between them at all. Um, I, I feel like it has something to do with their snout. That makes sense. All right. Uh, wait. I'm a biology major. Why don't I know this? Okay, so... <laughs> Alligators are wider and they have U-shaped snouts, while crocodiles' front ends are much more pointed and V-shaped. They both have very pointy grins. Toothy grins, I mean, apparently. So I know we have the Florida gators, so does that mean there's only alligators in America or are there crocodiles too? I have no idea. Um, I think there's both. I definitely think there's both, but I'm looking it up right now. Oh dear God! There's crocodiles too. Crocodiles apparently. South are Florida only, though. Water. South Florida. South Florida. All right, so we don't have to worry about that. How about alligators? Alligators can get all the way up to the Great Dismal Swamp in Virginia. Great. So they're literally knocking at your back door right now, Jeremy. Yeah, they probably are. I mean, living in Norfolk, that's there's definitely got to be some alligators around. Here. Yeah. What you, you need a. You need a heavy rain and all of a sudden they're I there. I mean, Norfolk is flooding all the time. There's probably – they could probably – when it floods, they could probably just swim right up to my front door. I live right on the water. Probably. And that sweet, sweet frat house you're living oh, in right don't now. don't even get me started in my frat house. <laughs> oh, no. I, I know. It, it's okay. I was in a fraternity at one point as I well. I mean, it's a little rough recording in my garage instead of in my house right now. Stay away from the brown recluse spiders, man. Dude, this garage is just – flooded with spiders right now well even though it's the winter yeah 
I mean, I mean, it's pretty warm in here. It's not cold by any means, but I mean, I'm wearing a sweatshirt and sweatpants, but it's not like freezing. Oh gosh, spiders love warm, dank spaces. Yeah, I haven't been in this garage in a while, though. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it sounds like a very disused place within a frat house. But on <laughs> to cleaner topics. Did you watch the uh, Super Bowl? Of course, I did. That's that was a great Super Bowl. One of my favorites ever. I'll be completely honest with you, man. I had a long day of doing swim clinics before it. So I got home and I ate a big meal with my parents and I probably fell asleep by 930. So I think I only saw the first quarter. But I heard the next morning when I was doing like recaps and everything that it was an electric game. Yeah, no. I mean, I was sitting on the couch with my roommates and we were watching the game and we were like, oh, my goodness. In the third quarter, we were like the 49ers have this. There's no way. I don't think the Chiefs can come back from it. And then we were just like in shock watching the fourth quarter. We didn't know what to say. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you have a coach like Andy Reid because not only is he a legendary coach, but he also lays out a lot of really legendary lines. Earlier this – no, I guess earlier last week before the Super Bowl had happened, he compared his grandkids to sweet and sour pork, which is pretty amazing. Did he really? That's hilarious. Yeah, he said that – Um, I hope I'm not butchering this quote, but he said that his grandkids keep him young and they also keep him old because they're a lot like sweet and sour pork, which it's a great, great comparison. And then he had an even better quote after he won the Super Bowl the following morning. The reporters were asking him, was like, oh, did you sleep with the trophy? And he was like, no, I didn't go home and sleep with the trophy. I went home and slept with my trophy wife. So that's just <laughs> – that's goals if I've ever seen goals. Yeah, that, I, I woke up the next morning and saw that on Instagram. And I was just like, Andy Reid would be he, – he would be he would be the one to be saying that he went home and slept with his trophy wife. And he also had a double cheeseburger as his victory dinner, allegedly, given that his diet before the Super Bowl was he only had a cheeseburger. <laughs> hey, double down. You got to double down. Can't make this stuff up. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that Andy Reid got a win, though. He won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I just wonder if this means, like, is he going to keep trucking and see how long he can go and try to maybe get another win since he does have Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, I think that team that they have there in Kansas City is a very good team. Uh, I just think that it was a big thing for his legacy to win the Super Bowl. That was like the one thing he was missing. Gigantic for his legacy. Yeah, I, I think he'll be a Hall of Fame coach. I hope so. I hope so. It's always interesting to see who they select for Hall of Fame because I know you can get in as a coach and you can also get in as an athlete, but apparently you can also get in if you're a sports broadcaster. So maybe we should start getting more into football. Though I guess that market's probably really flooded. Yeah, no, that market is – there's a lot of people listening to sports broadcasting with football. But as far as I know, we are the only swimming podcast, so that's kind of cool. Maybe we'll get like a Golden Goggles Award. I mean, not really. There are a couple other swimming podcasts that I know of. But, I mean – I think we're the ones doing it very differently than everyone else. Agreed. We're, we're definitely sports broadcasting. A lot of the ones I've listened to are like heavily analytics, which analytics are all fun and all, but I'd rather have some hot takes about swimming. Yeah, I mean, we're also 23-year-old kids doing this. So it's like we're doing something new that we haven't done before and a uh, new chapter in our lives when a couple of these other people doing it have been doing coaching swimming for 
X amount of years in their life, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I guess I've technically been coaching for approximately two and a half years, maybe three. It'll be three this summer. I think this summer for me would be, I think this is my fifth summer coaching, coaching club in year round. Yeah, I was way too busy running pools to coach until all of a sudden was like, hey, you can make a lot of money doing this. I was like, oh, cool. I mean, I tried to get you to coach with me uh, back at MRA. Oh, that would have been a nightmare, man. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun, though. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Wasn't this week uh, National Signing Day? Didn't that happen on, like, Wednesday? Yeah, it did. It did. National Signing Day is always a great day. Like, I love going and just watching. um, They stream it on TV and just watching all the football players and how everyone just – Did you hear about the – the three-star recruit who signed for Old Mess and they don't know who he is. Wait, what? That's funny. Oh, it's hilarious. You got to look that up. It is hilarious. He was on National Signing Day, had a whole big to-do. His coach was there, his family was there, and he was a three-star recruit, which is pretty good. I mean, definitely good enough to go to Ole Miss. And then it turns out that he's actually never been in talks with Ole Miss, which is just a legendary move on his part. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's like uh, that guy... A while back, he committed a cow, and they had no idea who he was. He like the school went crazy, everyone went crazy, and he committed a cow. And I think they were just like, "Who are you?" I had a I had a couple kids like that when I was swimming at Randolph Macon. We were having like some pre, like it was basically pre orientation, and this kid came up to me and was like, "Hey, I'm on the swim team too." I was like, "Oh, nice, man!" And then I went and talked to the coach. He was like, "Wait, he's on the team? I I have no idea." And I was like, "Oh, great! <laughs> the joys of Division three swimming." Yeah, I've had that with a couple kids here too. Well, not a couple. I've had that with probably one or two two kids really. I was about to say a couple. That's something else. No, there there have been two kids. I mean, let alone one of them's from a different country, so it was a little. Little weird. She's like, "Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the ODU team." I was like, "Really?" Because I work for them, and I I've never seen you there. I've never seen you, and I've never heard of you. Yeah, are you sure? And it turns out she was on the club team. Uh, She was on the club team. That's always a devious thing. All the guys at George Mason, their club team, they'd always say that they were on the swim team. It's like, no, you're not. You just (laughs) have a green swim bag. Did I tell you that I'm I'm uh, coaching the ODU club team now? Oh, really? That's awesome, man. Yeah. By the way, everyone, uh, in the last episode, I forgot to say where I actually went to school. I go to Old Dominion University in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. But yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i coaching the club team. I, be, I did it last semester, too. Do you uh, get this paid? My first year. No, I do not get paid, but we're trying to um, get, get a group of people to go to athletes or to go to uh, nationals. No, I don't get a stipend or anything. I just do it because it's fun. Out of the goodness of your heart, aren't you just a saint? Yeah, I mean, we have a we have a home meet um, coming up on like February fifteenth or something, and it's the first time we've had a home meet in probably three years. Oh, that's exciting! Speaking of Old Dominion, don't y'all have y'all's conference coming up kind of soon? Yeah, we have our men's conference uh, meet coming up February nineteenth, and then our women's uh, the following weekend. Right, After that, y'all have the y'all have the split conferences. Yeah, it makes sense. Randolph-Macon swim teams at their conference right now. ODAX, they're in Greensboro because we talked about the Greensboro pool a little bit last time. So even though they won't hear this episode until they're done, I hope you all do great, guys. And uh, my best friend Street, he's also down at Loyola of New Orleans. 
And I'll be honest, even though he's my best friend and we talk about swimming literally every day, I do not know the name of his conference because he's in the NAIA and I still have mixed feelings about it. But <laughs> keep trucking, Street. I know you've swam pretty well so far. Yeah, I mean, I haven't met Street personally, but I would love to meet him this summer in the future when we're back at home. I'm sure you will, man. I'm sure you will. We are inseparable. All right, guys. So after all those introductory stuff is out of the way, let's go ahead and get ready to start talking about the last three teams of our Power Five, which is the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the SEC. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break because Jeremy's laptop is dying, and we will get ready to go. Alright guys, so we're back. Jeremy is plugged in and ready to rock and roll. The irony of him being a IT major and having technical difficulties at every turn so far is not lost on me. So let's go ahead and get started with the Pac-12 conference. Jeremy, who do you think? Who do you got? I'm excited for this conference. I am too, really. Uh, the the Pac-12 is such a, such a very good conference. I mean, of course you got... Reigning national champions Cal coming out of Pac-12, um, they're they're seated first in the conference right now. Uh, on the women's side, their meet is February 26th through February 29th at the I'm going to butcher this name the Weyerhaeuser King Aquatic Center in Federal Way, Washington at at Washington State University. Yeah, I mean, that sounded pretty good. I don't really I don't really know how to. It sounds German to me. It looks German. Um, and on the men's side, it's March 4th through March 7th at the at the Weyerhaeuser? Weyerhaeuser, if it is German, but I don't know. I don't think we can make that Yeah, call. I don't think we can either. Uh, it's at the same pool, the men's meet in Federal Way, Washington as well. Cal on the men's side, ranked first as well, going into the conference meet. Um, but that being said, Pac-12 always has great competition with Stanford, USC Trojans, Arizona State, Arizona, um, even UCLA out there. On the women's side. Good old Eucla, ready to rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, Eucla, man, that's a throwback story. That is. What was that? We were in probably, what, sophomore year in high school, and we were talking. I don't even remember what we were talking about. And someone came up to us and was like, oh, are you all talking about Eucla? It's like, Eucla? Yeah, 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 Eucla. It's a college. They only have a women's team. They're, they're in L.A. I was like, oh, you mean UCLA? And like, <laughs> oh. That was a rough day for her. Right. That was a rough day. A lot of rough days for her. Sweet girl. Sweet girl. I think my favorite part about this conference, other than seeing how fast a lot of Stanford's women are, is also getting confused between Arizona and Arizona State whenever I'm looking at the results on Meet Mobile. Yeah, I mean, Arizona and Arizona State, they have great programs down there. Um, They have some very fast swimmers. Uh, I'm looking right now at the top swims uh, in the conference right now on the the men's side in Arizona State. Brooks Fall, uh, great distance swimmer, 500 free, seated first right now with a 4.22.9. That's pretty fast for right now in the 500 with in-season meets. So that's, pro- that's probably his mid-season time. Yeah, I was about to say that's definitely from his mid-season meet because, man, this year it, the mid-season meets just seem so much faster than they oh, seemed yeah. last oh, year. Yeah. 
qualifying times, a lot of A cuts, a lot of A cuts, and of course, like a uncountable level of B cuts, which makes me wonder how fast you actually have to be within your event to qualify and actually be invited to the meet when you have it. Actually, that uh, mid-season time for Brooks Fall, I don't. It's not a mid-season time. Actually, it's. Uh, I think that's his most recent dual meet. It's like, oh yeah, he's swimming yesterday at practice. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, cool, he's actually cool, sitting cool. with the four eleven seven, which is an A cut. That's so fast. <laughs> oh, it's not fall. It's Brooks Fail. F A I L. My bad, Brooks. Ah, uh, it's, it's a great name though. But yeah, th- again, that was at the Minnesota Invite. That was a very fast meet. That Minnesota Invite. But it's 500 free. I'm looking at it. It's uh, Brooks Fail and Grant Shouts out of Stanford with the 412. Um, he's coming in second. That those, That's going to be a fun race to watch. That'll probably be one of my favorite races to watch at this meet. Definitely got to make sure that I can find a way to live stream that. Hopefully I'm running dry land during that so I can definitely be paying attention to the kids that I'm taking care of, but also so I can sneak a peek at the 500 free because – I personally, as much as the 200 free is a legendary freestyle event, as a distance swimmer myself, I think my favorite event all around would be the 500 because I remember when we were in middle school and high school, they changed the classification allegedly to it's no longer a distance event. It is now, as our coach used to say, a sustained sprint. And I just thought that was hilarious. It was like, oh, so cool. I'm a sprinter now. And they were like, no, you'll never be a sprinter. And I was uh, like, oh, fair, fair, I fair, mean, fair. 50 free will also be a good race, too, with Ryan Hoffer out of Cal. Uh, he's the only one under 19 right now uh, in the conference. He's at 18.98, which is moving. That, that is moving. That's not Don't even an A cut, though. That's it. how crazy these A cuts are. Jeez. I didn't even know the A cut for Division One had gotten that much faster. I mean, when you have. Caleb Dressel a couple years ago going 17-something. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like from um, Office Space. Did you ever see that? No, not Office Space, Workaholics. The guy was trying to brag about how he swam in college. He was like, yeah, I was like a 21, uh, 50 freestyle. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's like, damn, Michael Phelps, you ruined everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, he actually swam. I can't remember where he swam, but he, he like, I looked it up one day. And he actually swam in college. I can't remember what team it was for. I am trying to look it up. Workaholics. Speedo racer. I'll find it. I told them I went 20 point and they didn't even flinch. God, Phelps changed everything. (laughs) I mean, this conference, like looking at 53 right now on the men's side, they have 14 guys under 20.0. And that's just very deep. Uh for 53 in a conference that is very deep i think that's the biggest thing that is changing not only in division one but also in division three and i I admit i do not know much about division two because i don't really have any friends who swim for division two but division one and division three is just so deep nowadays that you can't expect to see like oh well this team is only really fast in their top end everybody is fast top to bottom there are really no quote unquote slow swimmers so i don't think many people that can swim for division one we could have the audacity to say that they are slow oh yeah absolutely not like uh i'm looking at 100 breasts right now and i mean you can't even forget about reese whitley out of cal either he's right now he's seated first in the 100 breasts with a 51.5 and that man is so tall he's very tall and i remember uh 
I was 15, I think, at Zones, uh, Eastern Zones, and I can, I think he was 12, maybe, and he was even tall when he was 12. He was taller than me, and I remember watching him swim. Yeah, he's he's so fast. Was he at a? I swear he was at a sectionals meet that we swam at one time. He probably was. It wouldn't surprise me. And I know my senior year when I went to the Tom Dolan Invitational that he was there and he was still he was at the at the top of the age group ranking and he was like like four or five feet taller than everybody else on the pool deck and I was like that's not even fair he's diving in and he's already halfway across the pool yeah I mean switching to the women's side of the conference um looking at the girls 53 I mean you have Olympian Abby Whitesell out there with a 20.9 in the 53 that hurts. She is 1.2 seconds ahead of everyone else in the 53 in the conference right now. And that was also at the Minnesota Invitational, and that's the, that is the A cut. Yeah, that is the A. I, I think that actually is the fastest time in history. Really? Yeah, I think so. There's an analytics tab next to this. I don't know what this means. Oh, wow. So apparently college swimming, if you click on each race that the swimmer has for these really fast swimmers, it breaks down how long their entry was, how long their underwater was, how long they were on the surface, how long their flip is, and their total time per 25. Wow, that's crazy. It even gives their their stroke cycles. Stroke cycles, six distance per cycles, velocity. That is terrifying. That's so cool, though. Yeah, that's a great thing that college swimming has now. I didn't even know they had that until now. That is actually really interesting to look at. That That is so cool. I'm going to have to look at a bunch of different stuff. I'm going to just be playing around looking at that. I want to see some of those. I want to see some big distance swimmers and see what they're averaging. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't know if they'd have it for distance because that's a lot of work. That's a lot of yeah. information compounding. Um, but 100 free on the women's side, Abby Whitesell again with a 46.5. That's the eight cut. That's so fast as well. That is so fast. Jordan, we all know Cal is going to be one of the top teams uh, the country this year. As they are every year. Uh, yes, as, as they are every year. Um, but let's. What, I want to get your opinion on who's your dark horse in this conference? My dark horse... I mean, I, I don't know if it counts as a dark horse since they're ranked number three, but I have a really good feeling about the Trojans on the women's side. And I also feel like Stanford's men are getting a lot quicker. So I'm hoping for some real good swims out of both of those teams on the men and women's conference sides, respectively. Yeah, I mean, let, let's uh, – I, I haven't really heard anything about Stanford's men really um, this season, but I bet they're they're definitely about to make a splash uh, – at the Pac-12 conference meet. 100%. They're a great team, and they have a good amount of mid-distance swimmers that are really quick, so I think that people always underestimate how much clout the mid-distance swimmers have and the distance swimmers have in the total rankings because I know everybody is always all over like, well, you know, if you win the freestyle and the relay, you'll win the meet, but you can't really forget about distance swimming even though it's not nearly as exciting as some of that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the results for last year on the men's side. And, I mean, you have Andrew Salisgar, who got three gold medals last year. He's gone. Yeah, he, he graduated. 
Because now he swims in ISL. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does swim in ISL now. I can't remember what team. I think he's the LA Current. LA Current. Yeah, that would make sense to me. I can't wait till ISL starts back up and we get to start talking about them. And they have dual meets. They have dual meets? Allegedly, there will be dual meets starting this fall. Oh, that's going to be awesome to talk about. That's going to be so much fun. Now, I will say a lot of uh, fast swimmers graduated out of this conference from last year, but that doesn't mean there's going to be a shortage of them this year. Oh, yeah, that's not going to change anything. In, in all reality, this conference, even though there are a lot of big names that we know that are graduating, a lot of those big names we did know were because that was when we were supposed to be graduating. So we were much more familiar with the people that were our age, whereas there's a lot of really fast underclassmen and, of course, there's always going to be fast upperclassmen on all sides of this meet. Yeah, let's let's take a look at the women's meet from last year and see who some of the top performers were last year at this meet. We got no, no surprise there. Abigail Weitzel, three golds. I wish that it showed what grade this person was in. Ella Easton, another great one. Uh, three golds as well for Stanford. Yep, seeing that. Um Luis Hansen, three golds for Southern California. Yeah, and uh, Ella Easton, I'm pretty sure, graduated as well um, this past year. So she won't be there this year. Class of 2015. Yeah, she she graduated. Very spread out medal count from last year between California, uh, Arizona, Stanford, and South Ca- Southern California. So... It's definitely a very evenly swum meet with no real true powerhouse dominating because the three women who got three gold medals are all from different teams. So that shows that while this is a very powerful conference and California is a very powerful team, it's also pretty evenly spaced in terms of skill throughout the entire meet. Something that I'm looking at right now on the women's championship from last year, Stanford's women uh, they won the meet by 400 points. That's ridiculous. Oh, right now, Cal's women's team, I think, is ranked first. Yeah, they're, they're ranked first on the women's side, and Stanford is right there behind them. So it's going to be interesting to see how Cal, Stanford, and USC uh, all compete uh, for that top spot and claiming the conference championship. I'm curious as to how it's going to play out because – all of the rankings that we're looking at right now are all just meta-analysis of all the meets and are pre- trying to predict what it's going to be because I am trying to figure out how many seniors the women's team graduated from Stanford because I think it's a good amount, but I honestly can't remember. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really fast swimming is undoubtedly going to be happening. And even though a lot of people graduated on both the men and the women's side of this conference, the Pac-12 is going to always be an incredibly fast conference and is always going to have people right there up in the fight for the NCAAs. I don't think anybody can think otherwise. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Cal's going to put out some great races, of course. Um, but you also can't count out Arizona, USC, Stanford, uh, Arizona State. I think it's just going to be a very close conference meet in general. A lot of fast times coming out of that conference heading into NCAAs, and a lot of uh, top eight and top 16 qualifiers going to come out of this conference as well. 
Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our next of the Power Five conferences. So what, you want to do the Big Ten next? Yeah, I think Big Ten's a good one to talk about. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the Big Ten. So the women's side has swam from February 19th to February 22nd at the University of Iowa CRWC, which I'm assuming is probably their college rec sports complex that has the pool in it. And that's in Iowa City, Iowa, duh. And then the men's meet is run from February 26th to February 29th at my favorite pool that we have come over so far in terms of names, the Councilman Billingsley Aquatic Center in Bloomington, Indiana, which is located at the University of Indiana. That's such a cool name for a pool, Councilman Billingsley. I always say that you have to have a really cool name for something big to happen, and clearly this guy was very well renowned to have a aquatic center named after him that's my ultimate goal in life is to have a pool named after me though i want to be really snobby with it and have it be the jordan withrow natatorium <laughs> that would be that would be a sight to see it's like a meat being swam at the jordan uh the jordan withrow natatorium yeah and then you uh, or a jordan withrow invite that'd be awesome i'm not nearly fast enough for that though i mean it, it necessarily doesn't need to be how fast you are it could be what you're doing in the world of swimming or did you pay for it? <laughs> I think paying for it is probably my best bet if I get rich. Unless we could get a meet named after our podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be kind of cool having a meet named the Shaved and Tapered Invitational. I mean, that's just that just feels like you're naming the meet after what you're doing in the meet. But, hey, I guess if it plays, it plays, right? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about the Big Ten is uh, it's called the Big Ten, but there are 13 women's teams. And I think that's hilarious. That is hilarious. I think every single one of our conferences has not had the number of their name in it, except for, of course, the ACC and the SEC, which doesn't have any numbers since people on those coasts don't know how to read or write or count. <laughs> I mean, I on this side, I think Michigan um, is a very strong team on both the men's and women's side. But the – all of Big Ten is a very deep conference, of course. I mean, you have Indiana, Ohio State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Penn State. Like, it's a very deep conference. And as of right now on college swimming, um, on the men's side, Purdue and Wisconsin are currently tied for sixth place in the rankings. Oh, that's cool. I think tying is even more absurd on a team scoring level because whenever you're at a meet and the touchpad gets a tie swim, that's just absurd, especially if it's for like a distance event where there's poor souls who tie on on the distance event and then they have to do a swim off for like a 500. But for a team to have the exact same number of points in their hypothetical score at the end of the season, that's, that's ridiculous and it shows how even though this is an incredibly fast conference at the top, it's still going to be so fast. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's just take a look at their uh, top times from this year so far. Um, in the men's 500, you have Patrick Callen out of, out of Michigan with a 4-12-2 going into their conference meet in the 500 free. I mean, and then you have Felix Albeck, who's also a very fast distance swimmer out of Michigan with seated at 414 flat and his time last 
year at the big conf the big 10 conference if i remember correctly is a 409 low which is definitely the a cut oh yeah absolutely i mean i think this conference is again also a very fast conference this this one's a little uh, special to me because i have one of my friends in it um charlie swanson out of michigan uh, I remember right. I was on a zones team with him um, when we were about 15 or 16. And he, he, I mean, he made zones, but then he just, he grew, he got really tall. He trained really hard um, swimming for his club team and he just took off like a rocket. And now he's so fast. I think he's like the sixth, fifth or sixth fastest time uh, in history for the 400 IM long course and for Americans. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That is insane. I mean, I, that's the race I'm excited to see the most at conferences um, for him. Right now he's seated second in the conference with a 343.8. That's crazy. I mean, you can't argue that regardless of what your personal feelings are for the 4IM, it is a legendary event because you get to swim 100 of each event, which uh, it's a 400 medley, because I think that's much more of a challenge of an event than the 200 I am because I think a 50 of each just doesn't do it justice where 100 you really gotta battle it out and it was always revered by some of the coaches I've had as just one of those legendary swims yeah I mean 400 I am for me is one of my favorite events to swim and watch mainly because the lead can change so much based on what your strengths and weaknesses are um like I know for me I was in a aggressively average first 300 swimmer the 400 im and then my freestyle i would just run everyone down at the end but it, it like anything can happen like if you're not a good backstroker someone could pass you on the backstroke and then if you're a really good breaststroker you just fly right back by and back on the freestyle or back on the breaststroke i feel like that was targeted at me since my breaststroke split is almost as fast as my backstroke split on my 400 im even though i'd go out in like a 51 for the first hundred because I live by a simple rule in all things is that you fly and then you die. Classic fly and die. Hey, it was my third event solely because I didn't want to swim the 200 fly on top of the mile at conferences. That is a which I think double. is immensely fair. That is a very tough double to do, the two fly uh, mile at conference meets. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed it, and I mean, that's exactly what would always happen to me when I was swimming. I would go out in a 51 or so in the 100 fly, regardless of my coaches telling me not to do that, and then my backstroke would be an abomination, and then I'd catch back up in breaststroke, and because at, at my heart, I've always been a breaststroker, and I always will be a breaststroker, and then I'd just dump everything I had left into that last 100 freestyle. Yeah, I mean, that that's the fun part about 4IM. To me, it's a very fun race to swim. I love swimming it. but uh, Very perverse way. Back on the topic of Big Ten, Jordan, who are, who are the teams uh, that you're most looking forward to uh, coming out of this conference? So even though Indiana crushed it last year on both the men and the women's side, I really do think that Michigan's going to come out on top this year because I believe a lot of Indiana's team was – uh, upperclassmen whereas Michigan had had a relatively young team last year so I think Michigan's going to come out on top and I'm very interested to see what Felix Albeck is going to do this year because he won 
the mile with a 14.29.58, which is just ridiculously fast. So I feel like he's going to have another another stupendous distance meet. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think one of the big um, things coming out of this conference was that I'm pretty sure Lily King graduated. Um, so she's not going to be there for Indiana's women's team. Definitely did graduate. Yeah, yeah, she graduated. But, I mean, that's that's going to take a big hit not having one of the fastest breaststrokers in history um, on your team coming into conferences. Yeah, that definitely will take a little bit out of it. But that's not to say that they're still not going to destroy this meat on their own side. Oh, absolutely. I just think it's Michigan's time, in my opinion. I think it's time for them to get a conference championship. Michigan – Michigan's they deserve it and it's their time to shine the stars have aligned and I think that's exactly what they're gonna do who, who are your dark houses come dark horses coming out of this conference dark horses I'm hoping for a lot of really good swims from Purdue and Minnesota personally and I don't think you can discount any of the teams that are on this lineup for the women or the men's side. I'm interested to see how Purdue and Wisconsin are going to battle out on the men's side since they are ranked as the tie, as we talked about earlier. I think that's going to be really cool. I mean, on the, the men's side in the Hunter Breaststroke, um, Matt McHugh from Minnesota, uh, amazing breaststroker jordan i think we also raced him or we didn't race him but we watched him swim at sectionals uh, a couple years ago um oh yeah 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 that was our junior year i believe yeah and he is a very fast breaststroker um i i i can't remember i know he podiumed last year in 100 breast and 200 breast but i can't remember what he what place he got off the top of my head top eight for sure but but looking at 100 breast there's two people Two individuals with eight cuts in the 100 breaths. We got Max McHugh and Jeremy Babnett uh, out of Michigan. Um, so 100 breaths is going to be a great race to watch. Same with the 200 breaths. There's three people with eight, with eight cuts. You got Tommy Cope out of Michigan in there as well. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fast and a lot, of, a lot of really fast swims all around. I'm interested to see how many gold medals these teams accrue by the end of it because I think it's going to be a slightly different story from last year where Indiana on the men's side came home with 13 gold medals, six silvers, and five bronzes. I think they're going to come out with a few more than that, whereas on the women's side it was very evenly swum with seven golds, one silver, and and six bronzes. And Michigan had seven golds, ten silvers, and two bronzes. So I think it's going to be a little bit more evenly swam on the men's side with possibly the women coming out a little bit ahead of Indiana. Yeah, I mean, last year, uh, looking at the results, Indiana had 1,700 points, and Michigan was 300 points or 250 points behind them. Um, So I think Michigan will be able to make up that gap this year and possibly uh take over as conference champions but on the women's side that's another very interesting thing because it was a lot closer of a meet indiana had 1386 points and michigan had 1302 points so last year was pretty close so i think this year will be a lot closer with more teams involved ohio state's up there as well yeah they're only they're less than 200 points away from second place 
So definitely, they're definitely still in the running. Yeah, it's going to be a very close race across the board uh, for who's going to come out of that conference with the conference championship. Without a doubt, man. I think it'll be very exciting, and I know that I'm going to definitely be trying to find time to stream it so I can watch some of those big swims. Because even though distance events aren't very exciting to stream for a lot of people, I'm definitely going to be tuning in to see that 500 in that mile if I can from Felix. My closing thoughts on this, uh, my my predictions is that Michigan's going to win the, both the men's and women's and Indiana is going to be fighting for a second place along with Ohio State up there on the women's side. Um, I, I, it's going to be one of my favorite conference meets to watch because it's so close. Oh, yeah. I think that is what's making swimming so much more exciting because powerhouses definitely do still exist. But as we move forward, while the powerhouses do exist, everybody is getting faster across the board. Like just what I mentioned earlier, depth is increasing nonstop. So there's no doubt to think that this conference is not going to continue to get deeper and is going to be a deeper conference than last year's conference because their midseason meet was absurdly fast, much like the Pac-12's midseason meets were absurdly fast. All right, and with that, let's go ahead and close this out and talk about the conference that I've been very excited to see after looking through some of the statistics from last year's meet, which is the Southeastern Conference Championships or the SEC. Who do you think... Who do you got in this, Jeremy? Who do you got? Uh, on the women's side, I have Tennessee women. I think they've done great this year. Uh, they've put together an amazing team this year. But, I mean, also, SEC is a very deep conference. It's a little bit different than uh, most of the other conferences. They have one meet total. Um, they have the men's and women's meet going on at the same time in the same place. Uh, but I think Tennessee's going to take it on the women's side but they also have georgia florida missouri alabama um it's going to be a very close meet on the women's side and on the men's side texas a&m has had a great year this year i mean aren't they they're cited to be top ranked right now just off of the statistics aren't they yeah they're ranked as the number one team missouri right behind them at number two and then the top five you got georgia at three tennessee at four and florida at five Well, that definitely is going to be a very exciting meet because when I look at when I look at the combined teams for this meet, it just blows me away that how many big name teams just from living on the East Coast are here. Like we got like Florida, that's a gigantic team, Mizzou and all of these teams. I mean, we're coming back to the fact that we are talking about a power five team and there's a reason that they are the power five. It's because they're the power five. They're huge names. There's a reason, even though they're titans in football and basketball, they're going to be titans in almost every single sport that they have. I don't think any of these teams have a quote-unquote bad team. And if you can try to argue that one of the sports at one of these colleges is a quote-unquote bad sport, it's all relative because they're still in the top teams in the country just because they exist within the power five. Yeah, I mean, being in the Power Five, I mean, it, it's not only Power Five football. It's Power Five swimming, Power Five basketball. It's Power Five field hockey. Like, it's Golf. just all these things. And they recruit 
the top athletes in the country, the top high schoolers. And I mean, just watching this and just looking at the results right now, uh, it's slated to be another very fast, very deep conference across the board. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I I have to agree with you. I think Tennessee women are definitely going to clean up because they had a, so many fast swims last year. And as far as I can tell, looking at college swimming, it does not look like they have lost many seniors. So they're still a very fast team and a very deep team. And all the people that they brought in are also just ridiculously fast. On the men's side... I think it's just awesome that Texas A&M is going to be the ones to close it out. Yeah, I mean, they have that um, fast backstroker, Shane Cassius. An- another awesome name, which is like half the battle. Yeah, I mean, if you got a, if you got a really cool name, you got to live up to the hype, and I feel like Shane Cassius has definitely done that. For sure. I mean, right now he's seated first in the conference at 100 back with a 44-4, that being the A cut. And he's got a 19-5-50 freestyle. Really? Yeah, so he's, so he's a, vi- a very dynamic sprinter for sure. I mean, even his 200 backstroke, he's seated first in the conference by over three seconds with a 138.2, which is also the A cut. And I, that might be the fastest time of the country. I'm going to have to uh, look that up real quick. Yeah, definitely look that up. I mean, looking at just scanning through all the different um, – Texas A&M's their top times for the 2019-2020 season. Shane Cassis and Mark Thiel are just ridiculously fast in every single event that I'm clicking on. Because once again, we got to get down to it. We are in Power 5 swimming, and this is the SEC, which is an incredibly prestigious conference to be a part of. So it's no doubt that they're going to all have very fast swimmers. Like Mark Thiel's top time for this season and the 500 free is a 412 19 that's definitely nothing to shake a stick at oh yeah definitely not but i pulled it up shane cassius is the second fastest 200 backstroke in the country right now who's number one austin Katz from texas but uh shane cassius is the fat that 44 4 and the 100 back that's the fastest time in the country as of right now that's awesome um but i mean georgia's had a very prestigious program down there and I feel like they're gonna do they're gonna they're gonna put up some good times and some good races in this and possibly come out on top as well. Oh, uh I I'm not sure where they'll fall at the end of the conference, but I don't think that they're gonna have anything less than a stellar showing. I bet they'd be way faster if they were allowed to bring Ugo with them to the meet, their bulldog. Yeah, probably. I mean, I will say they probably have one of the, the coolest mascots in all of college i think the only i think my favorite all over favorite mascot would be the lsu tigers since they have an actual live tiger which is pretty awesome i mean go tigers man go tigers go go tigers congratulations coach o for your amazing amazing season and please sign a deal with like ways so i can have you as my navigation voice that would be the coolest thing ever that would be amazing i would love to have him tell me how to get to swim practice that that would be that would be one of the greatest things i think ever in sports media is having coach O uh tell you where to go on directions i mean the other thing is shout out joe burrow am i right joe burrow 
What a guy. I'm interested to see how his career is going to continue into the future. And I think he's definitely going to be coming out on top as one of the best people in the draft. I mean, the combine when that goes down. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, back to swimming. I mean, Florida, again, um, very prestigious program they have down there. And, I mean, you can't even count them out no matter where they're ranked right now. Um, I think they're ranked third on the women's and fifth on the men, but they have a very prestigious program down there too. Oh, for sure. I mean, everybody's like, well, you know, Caleb Dressel isn't swimming in college anymore. It's like, sure, Caleb Dressel is amazing and undoubtedly one of the fastest swimmers to ever exist. But that does not stop Florida from being a powerhouse and incredibly fast team. I mean, Greg Troy, his coaching legacy will live on far past his lifetime. Oh, absolutely. Um, But talking about Florida, I'm just going to give a a quick shout out to the Beach Boys down there. The Beach Boys. I forgot the Beach Boys were down there. Yeah. The package deal. And uh, I mean, we also forgot to mention where this meet is and when the week when the weekend is. Uh, it is February eighth through February twenty second at the James E. Martin Aquatic Center in Auburn, Alabama, at the University of Auburn, or at Auburn University. Auburn University. Come on, it's AU. The A is on top of the U and the logo. All right. Well, I don't know how to read, so. Yeah, that's true. I keep forgetting that. You're doing great, all things considered, with that. I mean, being able to graduate college without knowing how to read, that's a big step. We have not graduated yet, Jeremy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I applied to graduate, and I will do it. I'm applying to graduate tomorrow. Let's hope they don't deny me. <laughs> that would that would put a real stick in what our plans are for the future of this podcast. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to be at 142 credits between the three colleges that I've attended, so I'm really hoping that they finally will let me graduate. But, you know, it's all up to them in the end, so just please accept my graduation request. Yeah. But, I mean, back at SEC, it's just this conference, to me, is another uh, top conference. It's very deep, very uh, fast swimming all across the board, but – I, I don't, in my eyes, I don't see it as deep as it used to be in the past. But again, we haven't seen conf- a conference meet yet. So looking forward to NCAAs, they could have SECs could be an outstanding conference meet and just blow it away at NCAAs. Yeah, let's hope that SEC is on the rise because it's got some of my favorite teams outside of UVA because I know we're both very big UVA fans, but all of my favorite teams outside of that are definitely in the SEC save for one or two. And I have a big problem with talking about different conferences because I have a recency bias because every single conference that we're going to talk about or even look at, I'm going to look at and be like, man, this is a great conference. This is one of my favorite conferences. you got to tune in. you got to watch. But I think that's more indicative of what college swimming and USA swimming as a whole is nowadays because there isn't a single meet that I can think of where I'm not like, oh, you should really be watching this. There's going to be a lot of crazy swims coming out of this conference. Yeah, and I mean the hardest part about it is watching all these meets when they're all in the same weekend. And normally they're all at the same time too. We need an ESPN red zone for swimming. Yes, yes. I would would love that. Meet Mobile, get on that. Yeah, well, ESPN needs to get on it. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe with the fact that ISL is starting to be big and we're coming into an Olympic year, someone can make the pitch and be like, hey, you know, swimming is like this whole real thing, and I promise it's a real sport, and then we'll get more. I know because nowadays you can watch a lot of swimming on TV because I think people are starting to, quote-unquote, wake up and see how exciting and how fast swimming is getting, but I'm hoping with the popularity that we'll be able to see it all the time. Like, how cool would it be if we had a, I don't know, which I'm not sure which broadcasting agency would try to steal the rights to be the basically quote unquote exclusive swim channel. But could you imagine how cool it would be if we had like an ABC exclusive swim channel or ESPN exclusive swim channel? I think that almost be as cool as ESPN 08, the Ocho. ESPN, the Ocho. Shout out Dodgeball. Watch that this weekend. Great movie, great movie. Killer lines. Now, I will say though, it w- it would be cool, but I think we're um, as a society, I don't think we're close to there yet because people um, don't view swimming as a money maker sport. Which I'm not going to argue that it is, but I know at a lot of dual meets, let's per se for swimming, um, they don't charge admission, um, while a football game they charge to get into the the game and really i mean that it's basically a dual meet they charge to get into high school games where i don't even know if they charge to get into state meets at the high school level in swimming much less the championships for like say senior champs and usa swimming yeah i mean i think it's just a lot of um like they they need money to i'm trying to figure out a better way to say this but espn it's not worth their investment to stream swimming and show swimming on tv when they're not going to be getting as much revenue from the meat itself that's true because at the end of the day pools are pretty damn expensive and that's always going to be true having been a glorified pool boy for the most of my life i can attest to the fact that that is one of the biggest things that holds swimming back from being a in the public eye sport, not saying that swimming could never be in the public eye sport, because I don't think there's any way that you could see how fast and how exciting swimming is to us and how it goes from summer league swim with little kids all the way up to professional swimming, which I don't even know how old the oldest professional swimmer is right now. It's just more of the cost benefit analysis. And one day once we figure out how to do it. It definitely is going to be in the public eye all the time. For me, I would want something to where it's almost like uh, ESPN Sports Center top ten, to where it's just like swimming, like strictly only swimming clips. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Maybe we could get that gig one day. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we probably we probably could. We could make it happen. Uh, probably. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I'd say more than a few years. And, you know, we are coming into a very good timing. I wonder if ISL has considered this. I'm sure they have because they're definitely a lot smarter than we are. Since it is an Olympic year, how well our boys and girls can do the butterfly determines how patriotic we are as a country. So it's definitely coming in that swimming is publicly a very popular and very big sport. Oh yeah. Even if it's only going to be for this summer. I definitely think it's a, a very 
a big and popular sport worldwide. I just think in America, um, it's not as glorified as per se football or basketball. Um, but I will say a good majority of people know how to swim. They just don't understand the competitiveness and how it's also an individual sport, but it's very team oriented. I, I agree with that. And that's definitely, uh, a really good point. I think this conversation is a really great way to wrap up that episode. So I just want to say thank you to all you guys for listening in. I know this episode ran a little bit longer, but I think it was a lot higher quality in both content and in audio services, even though Jeremy continues to run into technological problems. But you know what? Maybe that'll be the meme of this podcast, you know, man? Yeah, I mean, hopefully I won't end up being a, a meme on every episode, but I mean, just make sure you guys check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Shaved and Tapered. On Twitter, we are Shaved Tapered. And on Facebook, just like and follow our Facebook page, Shaved and Tapered. Oh, and another big thing, I believe I touched on it at the beginning of the episode, but that was basically like a day ago when we started this episode, it feels like. We are now on Apple Podcasts, which is exciting. So all those people who were telling me like, oh, I'll listen to it once you're on Apple Podcasts, go listen to it right now. All right. So remember, guys, just keep on boogieing. Love you guys. Peace. Peace.